our mindset is how we view the world. How we view the world is how we interact in the world. How we view the world is how we interact in our relationships. It's the guiding light for everything in our life. And so often, even people that are incredibly successful from the exterior, everything's great. The family portraits are amazing. You start to pull back some layers and you realize, man, they're just projecting. They feel confused. They built up this persona or they built up this career, but it's really not what they want to do. And they can't seem to get out of their head that if they've done it in one space, then likely they'll be able to do another. Welcome to this week's episode of the Lively Last Podcast. We are your hosts, James and Lisa Duvall, and we really appreciate you taking the time to listen today. Hey friends, we hope you find value in every show. If you find this content helpful, we would appreciate you sharing it with your friends and family. It's the best way for new people to get acquainted with the podcast. So Lisa, you and I will be hosting a really fun event here in a couple of weeks called Caliente. It is a night out for married people. And if you're in South Florida, we would love to invite you to attend. It will also be broadcast online so you can get tickets either way by texting the word info to 441-441 and then click the link for Caliente. It really is such a a fun night, a lot of laughs and time joining each other. So, and always fun for me to be able to poke fun at you is always enjoyable for everyone in the whole room besides maybe you. Yeah, that's true. Do you know you love it? You love helping people laugh at your expense. This week we have Kyle Sullivan as our guest. Kyle has served as a pastor at a couple of significant churches, including LiveChurch.tv and Transformation Church in Oklahoma. Kyle just recently started a coaching business, working with individual clients to create the right mindset for success. He also works with churches to create amazing environments for guests and volunteers. There are a couple really interesting pieces of trivia about Kyle's life that you uncover in your conversation as well. Yeah, a couple things that may really surprise you. So let's jump into the conversation. Well, Kyle, thanks for being on the podcast. Man, it's so great to connect and spend some time together with you today. Yeah, absolutely, James. I'm super excited to be on the show, and uh, it's been super fun getting to know you and connecting. So to get us started, can you give us the Reader's Digest version of your background and story that has brought you to this moment in time in your leadership in your life? Absolutely. You know, I think that all of the situations and circumstances in our life lead to our ultimate destiny. And for me, Grew up in a small town in Louisiana. And so if your listeners are familiar with Duck Dynasty, that's my hometown. So 21 years there. Absolutely love being from Louisiana. And I think that's important because it's a little too small for me to want to go back to. But I love being from Louisiana. Went to college, got wrapped up into pretty crazy drugs, alcohol, got saved, started a journey of 11 years going into ministry at some really amazing churches, multitude of roles from intern to associate campus pastor, small groups, kind of the gamut over the last 11 years led to now, I run a coaching and consulting company called Unleash the Champ, where it is helping people unlock the cages they didn't know they were in so that they could be the champion they were created to be. That's awesome. It's pretty cool. I heard that you were actually from Duck Dynasty town. Did you ever get to meet any of those guys? Did you know any of those people? Yeah. You know, James, in in our town, it was not unusual to see them because it's small town. They were regional 
celebrities well before they got picked up from A&E. And so like you'd see them around, you see them at the store. It wasn't a weird thing. They'd stop, talk to you. Even as their popularity grew, they were already kind of popular in town. So it was like, oh yeah, there's Phil or oh, there's Cy or, you know, wherever. And so I can say from my perspective, the show really didn't change them. They just got to go more places. One of my favorite episodes on that show is when they have the donut eating contest. Have you been to that donut store? Yes. So it is, uh, the donuts are incredible at that place for sure. They are really good. Okay. Well, we're not talking about Duck Dynasty. So we'll get back to your life. You and your wife, Ginger, have been married a little over eight years now, right? Yeah. It'll be eight years this year, June 22nd. And then we have a little girl who uh, is almost a year and a half old. And we have another on the way, a baby boy that will be born on July 31st. That's fantastic. So going back to your college years, because I think this plays into your business now and the champion side of you, I either read or heard that you actually wanted to play football, but you actually ended up in another sport. Is that right? Yes. So wanted to play football, played from third grade all the way through high school, wanted to play in college. And, you know, it's audio, so your listeners can't hear how tall I am, but it's not very tall. So I'm I'm about five, seven and a half on a good day with the right shoes. So playing D1 football as a linebacker, was going to be really tough. Yeah. I wasn't fast enough to move to any of the speed positions. So my dream died um, of playing football, but I actually got recruited to be on the cheerleading team for the university that I wanted to play football on. That's amazing. So that was a incredibly fun journey, especially as a, as a young single guy right out of high school. And I get thrust into, you know, hanging out with all these girls, going to all these games. <laughs> I'm like, this is the life. That's pretty amazing. Well, I love college sports. And whenever I get to go to like a college football game, I'm just amazed at actually the athleticism of of the guys who are throwing and doing all that stuff. So mad props and obviously cheerleaders are champions too. So I'm sure that competitive edge has played into where you are today. A lot of cool little trivia pieces about you, Duck Dynasty and competitive cheerleading. Right. Two truths and a lie. I would be stumping some people. (laughs) That's true. Well, during the pandemic, you made a huge transition moving from being a full-time vocational pastor at a really significant church to starting your own coaching business. Can you talk about the decision? What launched that decision and the process of starting your business? Yeah, man. Who thinks it's a good idea to start a business in the middle of a global pandemic? Me, when God says to. I loved and I say if the pandemic didn't happen, I wouldn't have started my business. Interesting. Because I think with disruption allows for reflection. And that's what it was for me. It was a time where we all get shut down. We have to quarantine in our houses. We're doing all of this stuff. And I start to think, man, at the time, my daughter was four and a half months old. My wife's working from home as well. And it gets to a place where as we made the decision as a staff to come back to the office, it was clear that that wasn't what my next step was. You know, James, I say my calling has stayed the same, but my assignment has changed over the years. Yeah. How I started a coaching company is because I started to realize and think back, what have people said about me? In ministry, I think there's kind of two preferences. You have more of the pastor leader where they're very shepherding and very caring and very, they're just more of that shepherd feel. And then I feel like you have the leader pastor, the one that's more about, you know, pushing for goals and growth and, and strategy and all 
all, can do the pastoral things, but is more of a driver. That's what it was for me. And so a lot of times people would ask me, come to me for advice or I'd help them take next steps. I was never the lead pastor or any role that level where I was at. I was always the person building teams. I was always the person that was communicating that would lead people to action. And so my ministry set me up for building and, and launching this coaching business. Yeah. I find sometimes even in, in my world, what I do in ministry, it's more about, I wouldn't call structural ministry, but actually it's providing opportunities for people who are really good at caring for and loving on people to actually have a platform to do that. I, I've probably fallen that same bent as as what you are as a, as a leader, pastor. I'm, I'm interested, was there anything in your journey and leadership that triggered this desire in you to invest in other people? people in a coaching side? Like when you look back, was there something that God did in your life or a moment in time that you went through that was like, that was pivotal in my leadership journey to position me for what I'm doing now? Oh, 100%. And I I love that question because for me, there have always been people in my life that have believed in me more than I believed in myself. I can think all the way back to Miss Heflin in third grade when I was annoyed and frustrated because I didn't want to learn cursive. She came and spoke potential to me. She came and spoke what I was capable of. Coaches, teachers, mentors, pastors, friends. There's always been somebody or somebody's in my life that have said, hey man, hey, I'm going to call you to a new level. Hey, I want to call you. I, I see this. I see this thing in you. And if we can, if we can cultivate it, if we can develop it, then it would really be amazing. And so I think my entire life has been leading and showing me this is how you motivate people. This is how you speak to potential. This is how you help guide them to their own championship run. So when you stepped out into starting your own business, I'm guessing it was a pretty nerve wracking. Like, how's this going to work? How did you get your first client? James, I felt like I was in a one person network marketing company. You know, my first client was off of a personal relationship and I really just reached out to people that I knew in ministry, in business. And I just said, Hey, I'm looking to launch this business. Here's what I can do. Here's the two verticals that I have. Is this anything that would be of value to you? And so then from there, seven months in, just kind of picking up now that I'm starting to get real results for people. So you mentioned you have two verticals or two streams in your coaching business. One is working with churches and church teams, which we'll touch on in a few minutes. But the other one is working with individuals and specifically on your website talks about you being a mindset coach. Can you talk to us about your perspective and thoughts around the power of mindset? Oh, our mindset is how we view the world. Carol Dweck wrote an incredible book on it that kind of put mindset as a buzzword in leadership circles and in development. But how we view the world is how we interact in the world. How we view the world is how we interact in our relationships. It's the guiding light for everything in our life. And so often, even people that I get to work with that are incredibly successful. From the exterior, everything's great. The family portraits are amazing. You start to pull back some layers and you realize, man, they're just projecting. They feel confused. They built up this persona or they built up this career, but it's really not what they want to do. And they can't seem to 
get out of their head that if they've done it in one space, then likely they'll be able to do another and helping people, you know, that's on one side. Another is just helping people go from I'm confused to I'm compelled to take action. I'm coachable. I'm confident. And then I become that champion. And all of that is a development of their mindset and what you say to yourself, what you say about yourself, how you interact in the world. It ties all together with what's between the ears. Yeah, it's such a powerful thing to think about, you know, the things you set your mind on and how your thinking affects your action and affects your life. I think it was Henry Ford who said, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. And the way that we set our minds, set our attentions and those practices really affect the outcomes that we see. So if someone hires you as a personal coach, specifically in this idea of mindset coaching, what does that experience look like and what can they expect in that relationship? I work in three month chunks. So it's 90 day accelerators and we set very measurable one to three things that someone wants to accomplish either personally, relationally, emotionally, or professionally. I call it prep for success. So we're going to set a a goal or a set of goals to really accelerate towards in 90 days. And that is what we focus on. That is how we, we start with like, why is that the goal? Because that will start to identify the mindset. Then it just is weekly accountability. Okay. Here's what you said you were going to do. Did you do it? If so, how do we build on it? If not, why not? That's the roadmap. if you will. Yeah. And then from there, it's talking about how they feel about the goal. Is there anything we need to adjust? And because it's three months, I mean, you could be really focused on setting the intention, going towards it. And I tell people, I'm like, look, I'm a coach, not a teacher. I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to give some advice where needed. But my style of coaching is very much, I'm going to ask questions and I offer that continuous fresh eyes. I'm not emotionally attached to your objective. So just as I work with my coach, because I I'm emotionally attached to what I want to do. I'm not emotionally attached to what my clients want to do. And so I can pinpoint, hey, there's there's a gap here. Like one client is going from ideation to launching a course as a, a fellow coach. Well, I can look at their messaging. I can look at their copy. I can look at how they're, they're saying their different things and the flow of it. And I can ask questions to get it to a better place and give critique. Whereas sometimes when we develop something, we get attached to it. So that's the accelerator. And then it's a little different with the churches that I get to work with. I think that's so powerful. The idea that you said a couple of things there first of that you have a coach and that you're working with other coaches and every coach needs a coach. And I'm such a fan of coaching and people like yourself who are leaning into whether it's a ministry space or the market space and coming alongside people and helping them develop themselves. You know, you mentioned growing up playing sports all through elementary and high school and then in college, you know, for any kind of sports, you know, parents will pay, you know, hundreds of hundreds of dollars every week just to get their kids in with the best coaching and so forth. But sometimes as adults or leaders or business leaders, ministry leaders, we won't invest in somebody to coach us at some of the most important things in life, whether that's our workspace or our personal space, our, our marriage space, finances. So having somebody like yourself, walk alongside somebody and help them create a pathway and also give them accountability is is really powerful. I was also thinking as you're saying that I've just finished the book called Hope Rising and this idea that hope is an action. It's not, you know, we can say, oh, I hope I can, you know, start that business. Well, that's just a wish unless you have a goal, a pathway, and then the willpower to do it. I think it's really cool that you're coming along with those accelerators. So with that in mind, what does the church side of that look like? The, the church side of it is, for me, I really felt it was just low-hanging fruit. Being able to work for 11 years in 
incredible churches that have a great influence. And I got to do a lot of things. So my church is all around the guest and volunteer experience that a church has. So really helping people go from the street to the seat to serving and sticking. And so it's super exciting because for me, I love creating welcoming environments for people to go, man, this feels different. And again, like with COVID, the relationships and how people feel when they come back to church is going to be what keeps them coming back. Yeah. I think especially, especially the feel that someone has when they come in is of utmost importance because they've been able to get worship. They've been able to get message online. It feels bad to say this, but people aren't coming back for that. They're coming back for the relationships and how being back in the environment makes them feel. And so, you know, I talked about having fresh eyes for the personal side. I'll come in and do a fresh eyes assessment and be basically a secret shopper for a church. And so I'm really excited for some of those that I have scheduled out this year now that stuff is starting to open back up. But really like two people at the church know who I am. Staff doesn't know, volunteers don't know. And I just come in with that mentality of a first time guest and I get to point out, hey, this is amazing. I love this. Hey, here's some opportunities. Here's some things that could go either way. And then doing some training on the back end of that. And then the volunteer experience in my time, that was my sweet spot in ministry. You know, got to onboard over the Gosh, probably a thousand to 1500 volunteers over the decade. That was really my sweet spot. And so being able to help churches do that, I I got to work with a church last year virtually, you know, and be able to take their next gen ministry from getting a handful of weekend to, you know, getting over, you know, 50 in the course of, you know, almost doubling their interest base in a month as they started to go back and relaunch and everything like that. So it's just, that lights me up because I know for me, I, I was serving in a church before I was saved and It was when I was in high school and I was super rambunctious. I was super active. I wanted to talk all the time. I really didn't care about being at church, but my friends were there. And a guy said, hey, will you come serve back in the the sound booth with me? He said, I need you to hit this space bar. I need you to watch what they're saying. And when the lyrics change, I need you to hit the space bar. Okay. That was my first time serving in a church. That's awesome. I mean, I had to lock in. I had to pay attention, which meant I wasn't moving around and I wasn't talking. And so I think so often, man, people can be connected to the community and the people of God before they're even connected to God in the environments we create in the experience that we set for them, we'll do that. Yeah, you said a couple of things there. One of the things that we say at Christ Fellowship, where Lisa and I serve, is we want people to know that they can belong before they believe. Some of those serving opportunities are an opportunity for them to kind of jump in, get in community before they've completely maybe bought into Jesus completely, but that they can be in community. And the other thing our senior pastor always says, she says that, you know, what can people get only at church that they can't get online? And you have to to emphasize those things. And I think there's a truism also for even the marketplace and businesses because everything has went kind of virtual. So what can people get, you know, when they're coming into a meeting with you or, you know, physically or into your storefront physically that they're not going to be able to get just on a virtual digital experience. And and I also think that a lot of times churches become very myopic. You know, my wife and I have just recently stepped into leading one of our locations in the season. And so coming in with those fresh eyes that you're talking about and seeing how things are done 
done and you know, asking the why question, why do you do it this way? And a lot of times it's just like, well, it's because we've always done it that way, right? And so I think it's really cool that you can get a fresh perspective. And I'm sure that you would have to be excited as churches are open back up, that there's a lot of opportunities here. Yeah, 100%. At the beginning, you know, earlier in our conversation, like, man, who launches a business in the middle of a pandemic? But really on the other side of this, as churches are opening back up, I'm getting the opportunity to help really relaunch the relational experience for guests and volunteers. And so it's it's a ton of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. So Kyle, one of the primary goals of this podcast is to introduce our listeners to men and women who are leading their lives and leveraging their influence to make a difference in the world. And obviously you've done that through your life and you're doing that now. If you could share a couple thoughts that would help a listener be more intentional about growing their influence, is there anything that you would you would offer, you would say to our listeners? Yeah, James, I love that question. I think to grow your influence, you have to be committed first and foremost to your own growth, spiritually, relationally, in your own leadership. Because I know for me, it wasn't until I started really leading me well that I had any increase of influence. When we lead ourselves well, it allows us through the overflow to lead others well. And then two, practically look at people of where you want to be and figure out how you can not do what they do, but how to get in a room and ask them how they think. You know, get around leaders that you really admire, get around people that you really admire and go, hey, so how did you do fill in the blank? Or how did you go from here to there? Yeah. And you just get people to start distilling their knowledge, their wisdom, and you get to stand on their shoulders. Yeah. I mean, I count it as a blessing to be around incredible leaders in, you know, the 11 years that I've been in full-time ministry and now getting into the marketplace and in entrepreneurship. I'm standing on countless shoulders and I'm further along because I learned how to ask good questions. And I value the importance of getting in the room with people to listen, to learn, and when necessary, add value. Yeah, that's so good. You know, uh, one of the privileges I've had is Dr. John Maxwell is one of our teaching pastors. And, you know, here's the guru of all gurus of leaders. You know, one of the things that's always so fascinating about him to me is how curious he is. He's always asking questions. He's always still trying to learn. And you talked a little bit earlier about growth mindset or a fixed mindset. And I think one of the ways that you actually cultivate that growth mindset is curiosity. Be the most curious person in the room asking, how did you do that? Like you said, why did you do that? What did you learn? Yeah, James, when people ask me, hey, what is your superpower? I say, my superpower is I'm curious. I'm genuinely curious about things. So you're in the process of writing the book and launching a podcast. Can you share with us about those two projects and the goal behind them and maybe the details of the timeline? Yeah. So I'll start with the podcast because that launches on March 29th. It's uh, Unleash the Champ Leadership podcast. And I'm just I'm pumped for it. The conversations I've been able to have thus far and just the willingness of people to help, you know, be on the show and give me advice on how to start it. And here's how you host it. And here's the things that you need to do it. It's been incredible. And so we're super pumped for that. And we we set that out and about end of January. And so my my podcast manager and I, we've been been hustling for the last couple months to just get in a groove and 
just as we had stuff, we won't be behind the eight ball. And then the book really, it really took a back burner to the podcast. We got connected through Clubhouse. And as I was in more and more rooms and I was speaking, I was in wanting to talk about the book and this. And someone said, well, have you ever thought about a podcast? And they said, just your energy and how animated you are. You need to be heard and seen, maybe not read right now. And I was like, okay, so I still have about a third of the book written and I still plan on books being a part of the Unleash the Champ brand and me as an author. And so the the book will come eventually. So is it going to be weekly, monthly? What's the plan for it? Yep. So it'll be every every Monday, a new episode will come out. Awesome. So we'll have two interviews a month and two solo teachings. So it'll go interview, teachings, interview, teaching. Awesome. Awesome. Interviews are about 30 minutes, 35 minutes. And then the teachings are quick hits, 20 minutes or less. Fantastic. Well, I'll put the link to the podcast in the show notes. Well, we always like to close our conversation with guests by doing some random questions. So would you be up for a few would you rather questions? Absolutely. So these are completely random. They have nothing to do really with what we talked about. They may tie in a little bit, but I have five of them. And here we go. First one, would you rather have a rewind button or a pause button on your life? Pause button. My daughter's 17 months old right now. Yeah. And being able to hit pause on that and just take in this season. Okay. Would be awesome. Okay. Second one. Would you rather be in a ballet class or a salsa class? Salsa. <laughs> Are you a dancer? So I took a dance class in college okay. to meet girls. Let's just be, <laughs> let's be real on that. When I think of ballet, it's it's all elegant and yeah. salsa is, it's got a little sass to it. And, yeah. you know, it's a lot more romantic in its expression. So salsa yeah. all the way. Yeah. Your personality is totally salsa. I can't, I can't see ballet class. Okay. So would you rather have the only beverage you can drink be water or the only food you can eat be salad? I'll eat the salad. Every day. The only, only thing every, you need is salad. Every day. Because okay. I want coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, there you go. That's a good one. Would you rather lose all the money you've earned this year or lose all the memories you've gained this year? Oh, take the money away. Yeah. I knew you'd answer that way. You can always gain more money. You can't gain new memories, especially with your, your daughter and your wife. So. Right. Okay. Last one. Would you rather be Batman or Spider-Man? Batman, cooler toys. <laughs> he does have some pretty cool toys, but seriously, you could, as Spider-Man, you can kind of go any place you want, no limitations on height. Yeah, I, I like Batman. I mean, fast cars. Yeah. If you would have said another superhero, it would have leaned the other way, Iron Man. Oh, Iron Man, that, yeah. He has better dude. toys. He has better toys. Because it's like the swagger of Batman with the ability to go anywhere of Spider-Man. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Awesome. Well, Kyle, thanks again for being on the podcast. If listeners want to learn more about you, where would you send them online? Yeah, absolutely. On Instagram, Kyle J. Sullivan. I'm most active on that platform, or you can go to my website, kylejsullivan.com. Well, man, thanks again. I'll put all that in the show notes and looking forward to following your journey and just seeing what God continues to do through your business and excited about checking out the podcast. When the book comes out, we'll have to jump back on. Love to do this conversation again sometime. Awesome. Thank you so much, James. This has been incredible. 
Thank you, Kyle, for joining the podcast. James, you and I have been talking for a couple of years about picking up salsa dancing. So I think it's our time. I think we need to do it. It would be fun. It would also be super comical watching me try to dance. So at least, Lisa, you got some moves from when you were back in high school. I was actually not allowed to dance as a kid, and thus I cannot dance. It is a little bit awkward to look at. Yeah, I would kind of be like that Albert Brenneman, the character played by Kevin James in the movie Hitch, you know, start the fire, making the pizza. Uh, cleaning the ears with a Q-tip. Yeah, and you just got to keep it right here. That's yeah, That's that would be me. Keep it right here. Yep, no one needs to see that. Some people may not even know what we're talking about. Yeah, it's a classic scene. So if you haven't seen it, check out the link in the show notes. And speaking of which, you can find the show notes to this and every show at livelylast.com. You can also join the weekly newsletter and receive each episode and show notes delivered directly to your inbox. Just text the word LIVE to the number 22454. Maybe you know a friend or family member who could use the encouragement of this episode. If so, why not share it with them? We want to invite you to follow us on Instagram at Podcast. You can also join our Facebook Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash live lead last. Thanks again for joining us for this episode. As always, we encourage you to live your life and leverage your influence today in a way that leaves the legacy you want tomorrow. Until next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.